feels weird to look to you here and the mic's there. That's why I'm facing sideways. So I, I can do, do both. I can do both. I won't fit on the sofa if I do that. If you're wondering well, you what this... You haven't tried. <laughs> shush, shush, I'm doing the intro now. Shush. It's weird being this close to you. Yes. Well, you've never been this close to me before. <laughs> if everyone's wondering what the hell we're talking about, we're not sitting in our usual spot to record this episode. We had to escape. Too hot in there. It's way too hot in there in the morning, so... We've come to the cooler side of the house. Yeah, it's cooler for now. It'll for now. It'll be hotter later. Yes. Yes. If, if uh, you're in a country other than the UK, you may not be aware that we're about to experience a hellish heat wave. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be pleasant this week. No, we don't have air conditioning either. No. I'm sure we've discussed this on the podcast before about how the UK generally doesn't do air conditioning. Anyway... Anyway, we finally reached somewhere else. Woohoo! Woohoo! We're going to discuss somewhere else this week. We're not going to get into the individual songs yet. There's a. Uh, Zena's just adjusting her seating position because uh, we're sat. She's sort of side saddle on the sofa. <laughs> um, the the plan this week is we're going to sort of talk a bit about the years between Marbles and somewhere else. I also want to talk about the reception to the album in general before we start breaking down the individual songs. Because some of you may be aware that Somewhere Else didn't get the best reception among the fans. Now, I believe that that is a myth, that actually the album wasn't as badly received as we remember it. Really? And as the band remember it. Has this belief changed so have you always had this belief or is it a new one since researching well for this I, podcast i've always believed it's a better album than people gave it credit for that's, or so i believed that's however true. yeah but about doing, public yeah, opinion. doing research i went to try and find the bad reviews mm. i couldn't really find them oh. there are quite a few sort of three out of five reviews from Various publications, the proggy ones, tend to give it a sort of more mediocre response. But in terms of online reviews by fans, it, it seems to be as well received as most Marillion albums, which suggests to me that when this album was released, it was at the height of the Marillion forums, where there were a lot of vocal... Um, hmm, how do I say it? Look, just, let's just leave it at that. A lot of vocal people on there who perhaps reacted negatively. But I want to explore why they may have done. Because mm. there definitely was a feeling of backlash because the band themselves are aware of it. Mike Hunter went online after the album came out and it n- nearly killed him, the response to the album, because it was so really? negative. Yeah, famously, that, that was why Mike Hunter's a little bit more reclusive now because he... he was so hurt by the reaction that the album got from the fans. But you just said that you believe the reaction wasn't as bad as people think. At the time. Uh, This is what I'm saying. I think the reaction was bad because the forum... So the the initial reaction... The initial reaction and that forum, I think, distorted the response to the album. Hang on, let's try and clarify this. So you're saying the initial reaction was positive, but then as time went on and people started voicing opinions on the forum, the louder, less positive opinions gained more... I think there were, yeah. 
Oh, I think there were a lot audience. of a lot of vocal loud mouth. Uh, it, it was a minority, I think, is what I'm saying. But because they perhaps posted more frequently, because they perhaps posted in greater detail, that mm. it may have skewed us all to think, oh, somewhere else was a badly received album. But I think among the the, the bulk of us, the quieter ones, it actually wasn't. I'd love to do a poll and see. What people actually think. But I think here's the thing, right? There's um <laughs> it comes back to what we've been talking about with setlist. Now here's an interesting thing. Yesterday the band put on Meridian and Fans a poll for people to vote for what songs they want to hear on the next tour. I am wondering whether we may have had anything to do with that. Really? <laughs> I am wondering. We do know that the band's manager does... They have done it ...does before, keep though, an eye Paul. on what we're doing. Yeah, they don't do it very often. Yeah, but they have uh, done it before. I think the timing's a little bit interesting, don't you? Come on. I don't know. Come on. I, think I don't that, know. Well, well. It wouldn't be the first time we've crossed over with the band. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. In fact, right then, in fact, Rose. before we get onto that, in fact, the whole story of somewhere else mm. and the reason there was backlash is partly down to me. What? Me personally. <laughs> what? What are you <laughs> I play, saying? I played a part in the somewhere else backlash no we'll get into that but, in a bit what you just said that you like the album yeah i do i was the one that wrote the notorious press release that was part of the backlash oh i, I will see. even read out the press release ah. but what i say we're gonna get into this oh, okay then before we start we have a few other little bits and pieces to talk about yeah talking about that poll which uh I was. So, so far, as we're recording this at 10.30 on Monday, the 11th of July, there have been 17,922 votes. Whoa. Now, these are the songs That's to play. That's a lot of yeah, votes. These are the songs to play on the hour before it's dark tour. Mm. You can vote or it, you've been asked or we've been asked to not vote more for more than 10 songs. And they can't promise to play the top 10 or even the top five. But it's the hour before it's dark to us. So I think we're going to get, you know. I hope so. The album. And my fingers are so crossed. We're going to get a big chunk of the album at the very least, which makes it all the more annoying. I want the whole album. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Just like the selfish person that just like, I want the whole album. I want the whole album. But it makes it all the more annoying that people are wasting their votes by voting for songs off the album. But yeah, we're going <laughs> to get them. Not. Let's vote for the obscure ones, people. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, that all the, the songs that are winning at the moment are, well, Be Hard On Yourself, Doing All Right, Murder Machines, Crow and the Nightingale. Okay, like, say the ones that aren't on the album. Yeah, anyway. I want to hear the whole album, the whole though, thing. so I'm just going to like put it out there. H the even universe. said on the Corona Diaries that he's looking forward to playing the whole thing again. Oh, good, excellent. We're going to have some stuff to say about the Corona Diaries as well in a minute, everyone. But uh, Sonia's cringing again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's weird is that Marillion have so many songs that it doesn't matter how many you know votes there are for certain things you know the highest anything's getting is like four percent of the overall vote oh no um but you can break it down by and look at what songs have got individually it's just as annoying because it's the same old songs that are getting voted for you know this strange engine and fantastic place great songs 
But we kind of heard them, everyone. This is our opportunity to hear stuff we don't hear very often. Mm. The forgotten classics. Invisible Ink. Invisible Ink, which I voted for. The only unforgivable thing. Let's see how many votes out of the nearly 18,000 those songs have had. I need to vote. You do need to vote. You need to get in there. And you can vote for 10 songs. Yeah, they've asked for no more than 10. I mean, The Invisible Man's doing really well. I think we've heard that quite a lot now, everyone. We've heard that live. Let's give some other songs a chance, please. <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind hearing the oh Invisible my God. Man again. Um, yeah, but the thing is, here, you know, when, know, when we saw yeah, them in Leicester, mean. it's like yes, we. It, it's it will be nice to have some ones that we give a give a chance to the neglected songs. When we heard Invisible Man in Leicester, that was the first time that I didn't feel like it hit me in the chest in a kind of but maybe that's because we'd just been listening to marbles over and over again Uh, for months so it wasn't as fresh and new for you i'm trying to find invisible ink right out of the 17 18 000 votes has had 32 votes soon to be 33 paul yeah well it would have had 31 wasn't not for me (laughs) so i don't think there's any chance of us That's Aww. for sure. I'm a, I voted for... I'll tell you what I voted for. Yeah, go on. Um, I voted for, going down the list in reverse, chronological order, uh, White Paper. Nice. In, Invisible Ink. Nice. Sky Above the Rain. Nice. Essence. Nice. Somewhere Else. Nice. Circular Ride. Don't You don't, don't know, know it. it. The Only Unforgivable Thing. Nice. When I Meet God. No, oh, lovely. Uh, Beyond You. Nice. Waiting to Happen. Nice. There you go. They're the ones I voted for. I can't say what I voted for because I didn't. You haven't even told me about this. This role. only happened literally. I saw it before we've sat down to record. Oh, okay. And already so many people have voted. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Almost all the members of the of the. Uh, that's crazy the fast. Anyway, so that's that. We got mentioned on this week's Corona Diaries, didn't we? I believe we did. <laughs> Um, this was off the back of a comment that a chap called Peter Davies posted beneath a recent episode on Patreon. Uh, and I chipped in. What Peter had said was that to help with the Corona Diaries' occasional memory issues in terms of H recalling events, that maybe they could wait for us to catch up or get ahead of them and then use our research. When they say our research, they mean your research. Okay, my research. (laughs) Because it's like, I'm not that good at it. (laughs) Well, you don't do it. No, I don't do it. It's my job to tell you the stuff. You you just got to react. Yeah. You just got to sit there and look pretty, love. (laughs) (laughs) I listen to the albums many, many, many times. Yes, you do. You work very hard. We both do. Uh, and if you want to reward that work, www.patreon.com oh <laughs> slash Mr. Biffo, link in the description. You can support us for as little as £1 a month. Probably have a bonus episode this week because it's gone up late. Normally we go up early for patrons, but we'll do, give them a bonus episode. Yeah. Apology. Anyway, so Anne Short, who co-hosts Corona Diaries with H, had read this comment. By his own admission, was a little bit miffed initially that he felt there level of research was being criticised uh, and that uh, another podcast might be suggested as a as a solution. I mean, I read, I read Peter's comment as tongue-in-cheek. Uh, 
I mean, I hope Ant doesn't see us as competition because I think... Oh, God, yeah, we're not. We're not. And what we do certainly can't cope. Cope? Can't cope. <laughs> can't no, cope. We, we can't, can't cope. cope. We definitely can't cope at the moment. It's what? too hot. It's too hot. Too hot. We're too poor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I checked the bloody bank account this morning. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, fine. I hope Ant doesn't see us as competition because we really are not competition for podcast featuring the lead singer yeah exactly of Marillion, exactly who, who even if his uh memory isn't all that we can't compete with the first-hand recollections of steve Hogan. exactly and the experiences the unique experiences of someone who's actually there we're we're and who from, actually wrote the songs yeah, it's like we're from the point of view we're of just the fans. guessing well you're recounting the history from what has been documented mm-hmm I'm, I'm giving my own my own history with the I'm band. I'm giving your own personal history with what you were going through at the time. So mm. we've got like a kind of parallel experience. Yeah. Whereas they're recounting history firsthand from within the band. Exactly. I think so we're you, complimentary. So they've got the within. Exactly. You, they've got the within and you've got the without, the fans version. Yeah. Um, and then I'm just like on the sidelines going, whoa, this is our new dudes. Yeah, but you're living it now. Which yeah, is that's why true. It's yeah. interesting because cause when Anne and H talked about us, I mean, I'm pretty sure H hasn't heard the podcast. Anne has obviously been on it. Yeah, we're talking yes. about our podcast, not their own. Yeah. I really hope, hope, I hope H. I hope. <laughs> I hope. I really hope H doesn't ever listen to us because it's not for him. Yeah. And particularly because obviously we've followed this chronological path. And as I've said on previous occasions, um, my relationship with Meridian has had its downs as well as its ups. They've been mostly ups. And, you, you know, obviously I love the band. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing a podcast about them. But certainly during the 90s, I had a few dark nights of the soul in terms of you know, am I still a fan? Mm. I, I was. I hung in there and I'm bloody glad I did because, boy, did they they reward that faith. Uh, but there were points. And, you know, I hope he never listens to that era. Also, come on, we're gently piss-taking most of the time. Uh, all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> because we're trying to sort of mirror the way fans talk about things they love, I think. Mm. And as fans, that's what you do, you know. But if someone else says something that's it we're straight at their throats get the wolverine claws out yeah so h if you're listening stop listening now go away (laughs) (laughs) just bugger off (laughs) seriously you're not to listen to this podcast ever (laughs) because you're gonna limit what we can say if we think you're listening we know mark kelly's listened I'm sure he doesn't listen regularly. Very often. No, why would he? Maybe he listened like to a part of one once. He said he'd listen to a couple. Oh, really? Yeah, like the actual whole thing. That's what he claimed. Okay, I mean, you know, that's the thing. Once you start listening to us, we're so engaging and that's interesting. That's it. We're magnetic, aren't we, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> once you pop, you can't stop. Pop? Oh, it's an old Pringle. No, I know, thing. but what's it? <laughs> okay, then. That's the thing. You can't. Once you have bomb Pringles. Yeah. You once can't. you have. Yeah. Listen, right? You worry sometimes, by the way, about things we say on this podcast. Mm. Recent Corona Diaries, H was talking about someone removing his own scrotum. What? Yes. On purpose? Yes. Like, 
Okay, I'm not getting into it. <laughs> if you want to know the story about someone removing his own scrotum, and frankly, who wouldn't? By himself. Who wouldn't? Go and listen. Well, he did it himself. I'm talking he... to you, Sanya, oh, as well as the audience. You want to know that story? Go and listen to the previous episode of Corona Diaries. I to. really don't think this is the place for it now. No. Not least, not least that Anne already thinks that we're in competition with him. I don't want to start repeating their scrotum removal stories. <laughs> So, Peter Davies, by the way, did write to us. He said, I listened to TCD 114 on Friday. This was when it was pre-released for patrons. Uh, I, I listened to it uh, yesterday, Sunday. Because yeah, because we were away this weekend. Our friend Anthony Shortland, See. no relation to Ant Shaw, he didn't message me and said, have you listened to Corona Diaries yet? You get quite a few mentions on there. <laughs> and a request from Ant for us to, you know, hurry up and get ahead of them so they can pinch our research. It was all tongue-in-cheek, by the way, to the person in the Patreon comments who said, I don't really want TCD to steal uh, research from another podcast. It was, I think it was all in jest, anyway. So Peter Davis said, um, as I'm sure you've heard, Ant Short was a little miffed at my suggestion that TCD borrows from Beampod. I've emailed Ant to say the comment was meant to be tongue-in-cheek and to raise awareness of Beampod, which we really appreciate, yeah. Peter. After hearing Ant, I did reread my comment on TCD113 and was horrified to discover I had referred to Beampod as beyond you and me rather than between you and me, which... And sure, also did, by the way. In and the... which I didn't even pick up on. I was just like, yeah, yeah, it is beyond you it's and me. It's a good title for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that is another good title for a podcast. Um, anyway, oh, apologies for my schoolboy error. It's fine. I didn't pick up on it when I replied. Neither did I. Many thanks for producing such an entertaining and informative podcast. It is appreciated. Thank you for trying to spread the word, Peter. Uh, you obviously got us that big shout out in the episode and... Wow, that was great. Yeah. You know, also you gave us more work because we were actually going to skip a week this week. But now that we've had the shout out in this week's TCD, I thought, oh God, we better get an episode out. So here we are recording this late on a Monday. We had a letter come in about the Montreal weekend. Do we want to do that this week or oh. it's in the Beampod folder? Because um, just timings wise, yeah. you don't want to leave it okay. too far We'll do that after. quickly now. So this was from Bill Duncan. Oh, no, actually, Peter. I didn't give Peter Can Davies a name. It? Yeah, Peter. Oh, yeah, you should. But I'm going to give him a name. I'm going to give them all a name. Pete, Peter Davies also. Oh, and someone. there's an anchor on this side of the yeah. house as well. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, we have a... We have a Oh, God, it's even worse on this side mm. of the house. You you lot probably can't hear it. I know that. We hope. And we sound like we're insane talking about someone dragging an anchor around above us. But it's what it sounds like. This must, this must be what it's like to be the seabed. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think so, because the water would, the seawater would muffle the sounds. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah. Peter Davies. PD, PD, PD. Hmm. Let's not give him a nickname. <laughs> Come on, quick, think of something else. Uh, Peter Davies. Davo? Davo. That's rubbish, Sanya. I know. It's really hot today. It's, uh, okay, um, let's, let's call him Hot Boy. Hot, okay, Hot Boy. <laughs> there hot we boy. go. Right. So, Hot Boy Davies. Uh, and the next letter is from Bill Duncan. Uh, oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> let's call him Twicky. Tweaky. Why? Because uh, he got, he'd be, be Bill Duncan. What's his name? Bill Donut? No. No, I said Donut because oh. Bill Duncan. What about Duncan Duck? No, Tweaky, who's the robot from Buck Rogers in the 25th century who used to go biddy, 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 biddy. Okay, Tweaky, fine. Fine. Just before you read the letter, I hope Ian Mosley's feeling better because, of course, he was very ill. 
Oh, do you know what happened yet? It upset stomach, similar to what I no. had. Yeah, apparently he was um, throwing up all the way there and had to be wheeled off the, the plane in a wheelchair. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he still soldiered on and got he through the gigs. He still played? No way. That's like hats off to him. Yeah. Because, you know, having seen you with the upset, upset stomach a few weeks back... Yeah. It really floors you, like drains your voice, yeah. energy. Yeah, it was bad. Anyway. And he had to play the drums, which is quite an energetic mm. skill. Yes. Or thing to have to do. Yes. Okay, so Tweaky says to us, Bonjour. Bonjour. Greetings, Paul and Sanya from Montreal the afternoon after. I'm leaving to catch a flight home in a few hours, but I wanted to share a little of my weekend with you before I go. First off, in spite of having listened to the band since 85, I have never seen them live or been to a weekend before. Not for lack of wanting to. Life and distance conspired to make it difficult. But after lockdowns and the wear and tear of the last two years, I decided that I could not skip this one. I won't say much about the music since the set lists will be available in Setlist FM, but I will say that I had not seen another Marillion fan since I left my home province of Quebec nearly 17 years ago. Wow. I know, wow. And I was nearly overwhelmed by the feeling of coming home when I arrived at the Olympia to be greeted by a sea of tour t-shirts stretching back to the mid-80s. Friday's high-energy night was a balm for the soul after the punishment of isolation and the band seemed every bit as joyous and elated as we were. Rothery was smiling from ear to ear and H seemed to be vibrating. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A few times my heart very nearly cracked. It was a joy. Saturday's trip through... An hour be- Sorry, I'm still laughing. At yeah, no, I'm trying not to say something really filthy. <laughs> Just say it because you'll be whole- you can oh, cut it out. God, no, okay, that was too far. I regret telling you to just say it. <laughs> okay. okay, would you be saying to H, maybe maybe not have that story about the guy removing his scrotum? No, because that's not that disgusting. I'm sorry. It could have been a medical reason. It wasn't. The per- well, the person might have just not wanted a scrotum anymore. That's fair enough. Whereas, uh, okay, so that's that's too far. That's not far enough. And well, yet, no, I'm me not saying, saying that's not far enough. Me I'm just making saying a that's whimsical not- joke. A guy who actually did it, who actually did remove his own scrote. Yeah. That is not as bad. He made his scrote remote. Okay, uh, again, I don't know why you, you think that's... It, when it comes to a... A man having played on stage with a bad <laughs> Why that's worse. Read the letter, Sanya. <laughs> um, Saturday's trip through an hour before it's dark was phenomenal. The band in top form and H sounding fantastic. And it was everything I had hoped for. Worth the price of the weekend. But Sunday, beginning with Lucy's informal and often hilarious Q&A, particularly the somewhat dangerous game of Mr. and Mrs. and the round of pin the sunglasses on Ian Mosley. 
I wonder if it was actually Ian. Yeah, but... if, I wonder if it was a picture of Ian or him. He had to stand. That would be dangerous if he had to stand yeah, there and have I... people coming towards him well, blindfolded with sunglasses. Especially if he had the runs. The entire venue seemed to... Look, look, sorry, before you carry on, H also went into detail about the stool sample that Ian had to give, which had to be taken to a doctor. You know, so you worry about things on this podcast. Trust me, we ain't got anything on Corona Diaries. But you certainly try, don't you? Give my best shot. (laughs) Okay. Um, Where was I up to? I don't know, sorry. The entire venue seemed to shrink... And it became something of a family affair. Rothery called out to his wife, Joe in the audience. Fiona shouted out corrections to Pete's misinformed answers. <laughs> and everyone seemed to be in the pocket of love for the evening. Aww. The band found a replacement saxophonist on short notice, a street musician from the jazz festival. And H preemptively told the story of how they had found the saxophonist. Saxophonist. Not sexophonist. Yeah, I know. It really sounded like I said sexophonist. <laughs> a sex octopus. <laughs> oh, a sex octopus. A sex octopus. Saxophonist. <laughs> replacement sex octopus to perform on stage. Saxophonist. Leading him to introduce all of the next three songs as Berlin. I laughed, I cried a little, and when the levers were done and the band had waved us out to go lie down. We walked out into the stifling heat of St. Catherine Street and I knew that I had been with family and that it was good. Thank you both for making a lonely fan less lonely and sharing so much of yourselves throughout lockdown. It has meant a lot. Thank you, Bill, for writing in. That was a lovely letter. Yeah, that was lovely. Lucky you. That sounds like a really fun experience. It sounds like a really good weekend. I wish they'd filmed that. What filmed all of it? The Mr. Film, and Mrs. Yeah. Yeah, I know why. Because you want to see Fiona on video. You're obsessed with Fiona. No, I love them all. I love them all. Well, she's cute and nice. And there we she go. Looks really there we, and there we have it, everyone. Sanya's obsession with Pete and Fiona. They're lovely. They're like a power couple. Marillion's very own power I couple. I just think they're such a beautiful couple. Shall we move on to somewhere else? Y- yes. Are we finally getting to somewhere else well no <laughs> not oh, yet oh i want to just talk about the years between uh marbles, marbles and somewhere else we don't have to go into a lot of detail about this but obviously there was a bit of a gap mm-hmm. how much of a gap again well 2004 was marbles mm-hmm. 2007 was somewhere else okay so well, three years yeah almost three years two and a half three years something like that uh you know by by modern Marillion standards, that's nothing. <laughs> that yeah. seems like kind of a short break between albums, but, you know, it is what it is. There was a reason, though, why that happened, because of the original plan had been to release a series of EPs, as uh, in what? mini-albums, effectively. And not do, like, a, a big album? That had been, At least to, to do that as a sort of a series of sort of... I could say stopgaps makes them sound throwaway, but they were certainly seen as bridging music. But what happened was that the band, the the band announced this. They were going to do it. And I think... Do you remember what what the reasoning was? Like why they... I'm getting there. I'm getting there. They had a couple of songs left over from the Marble Sessions, which which were Circular Ride and Say the Word, both of which ended up as B-sides and never ended up on the album, which I think is a shame, certainly, for Circular Ride because it's a cracker of a, a song. 
uh, would have actually given somewhere else perhaps a bit of energy in places where it needed it. Uh, but uh, what happened was they realised, they announced this, and then they realised, okay, this is going to be an EP with, you know, maybe two, three songs on there of new music. It'll probably do a You're Gone style kind of rush up the charts and give the band a bit of a boost of publicity. However, off the back of that, they wouldn't have an album to promote. So the single wouldn't be promoting anything. It would just stand alone as right. its own thing. So they yeah. scrapped the idea. And then they went into the studio with Mike Hunter for the first time as producer mm -hmm. to make the album. And that was a slowish process, but they were really busy as well with other projects and side projects and what solo projects or well, other Pete, Marillion projects Pete had a, yet another band Kino which he was in with John Mitchell who's basically in every prog band these days um John Beck from It Bites and Bob Thornton from from It Bites mm -hmm. they uh they tour they released an album it's not a bad album it's certainly very much in the John Mitchell comfort zone shall we say <laughs> uh you know and Pete I suppose gave it that air of prog supergroup in, right. in in terms of uh, you know or similar to sort of transatlantic. So he had that also in two thousand and five. There was the Los Trios Marillos tour, which was just H oh, Pete and Rothers. Kind of acoustic. It was kind of acoustic. So what 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 it allowed is it allowed them to, to tour cheaper. Yes, it did mean that Ian and Mark didn't get to go along but the the walls the unplugged at the walls album have been really popular i think it was it was for a long time it was their best-selling live album right you know on the racket store. yes it's a great album I've, we've said it before we think i think yeah, it's their best it live album yeah so so it allowed them to strip back some of the stuff it allowed them to, to sort of be more i don't know flexible in terms of where they could go it didn't cost as much it did mean that two members of the band lost out but it also meant they could go to america you know, they could afford to tour America. It, they also played sort of some, uh, I suppose, an unusual choice of songs, you know, because songs that work better in that sort of acoustic format. So, you know, the, the Hollow Man would, would get wheeled out, which oh, wouldn't nice. always uh, um, cover my eyes in an acoustic version, Bed in the Sea, Dry Land, You're Gone, Fantastic Place, This is the 21st Century, Runaway, Sugar Mice. Uh, don't Hurt Yourself, Answering Machine, Easter, Tumble Down the Years, 80 Days, two songs that really don't get played often, Enlightened doesn't get played often, Made Again. They even played a version of Ocean Cloud. What? Wow. Yeah. Ocean Cloud or at least a little, a little version of it. Yeah, I remember them doing it. because I went to see I'd love to hear that. It was really weird because when um, I saw them... How does that work without the keyboard? Yeah. Well, H had keyboards. H was there. Oh, of course. Of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, but what... Uh, when I went to see it, it was really odd. It was a really strange gig in a lot of ways. It was it was a sort of smaller venue. Do you remember where you saw oh, them? Oh, jeez, Anthony has told me this, Pedantini. Pedantini, please step in. Uh, and I was there with my friend Seb. Seb and Anthony and I uh, went to see them. Can't remember what it was. He has told me. Was it Banbury? Somewhere like that, anyway. Uh, but 
the audience sat down on the floor. It was really <laughs> strange. What? So it had like the vibe of like a school assembly. Right. <laughs> wow. It was really strange. We sat was on the that floor. A, was it requested that you all sit on the floor? Remember. Or did the audience choose two of their own I can't accord? remember, but it gave it a sort of unusual atmosphere. I, I did, I enjoyed it, but I did miss the full band thing. I'll be honest. Mm. It was nice to see something different, mm. but... For me, it was no replacement for a proper Marillion tour because they toured quite a lot. They played a lot of those shows that year. Hmm. So that was going on. Um, also 2005, H got very involved with Make Poverty History. Do you remember Make Poverty History? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it was, uh, it, I didn't, you know, I was wondering, and I looked this up, why we didn't hear about it much beyond that year. But its its main aim was to put pressure on um, the, the G8 meeting that, because Britain was hosting it that year was it was to put pressure on uh, on those those leaders the symbol of it was a white wristband often saw Meridian fans wearing that the song on the album Voice from the Past was inspired by Make Poverty History oh I didn't know that yes interesting it had its critics Make Poverty History there was a degree of cynicism around again probably among those same vocal fans around h's involvement when i was looking it up i found a bunch of photos of uh at the launch of it which h was there with like kind of robin gibb from the bgs bob geldoff girls aloud oh, o- wow. ocean color scene razor light so i think some fans felt oh is h trying to do the bono thing mm. and i think there was some cynicism that people felt this is something I want to kind of talk about when we get into the album lyrics a bit, mm-hmm. is that this for me is an album where, okay, Marillion have always talked about the world and have always had a bit of a political or humanitarian element to them, as well as the personal. Now, we can argue whether H is better at writing the the, the personal stuff or writing the kind of more globalist or global... The more globally orientated lyrics. yes. Yeah, we can argue about that. But somewhere else for me is, is and his his involvement with Make Poverty History was kind of the start of that, which you then saw continued on certainly Sounds That Can't Be Made and Fear and... And An Hour Before an It's hour Dark. Before It's Dark. For sure. Yeah, where the, the, the personal stuff has become, as time has gone on, kind of... It's taken a backseat a bit to some of the, the, you know, that stuff that's about COVID or global warming or, Mm. you know, politics or all of that. Some fans don't like that. We know that. Mm. You know, some fans are like, keep politics out of music, which they're idiots because they obviously don't understand the history of of popular music. (laughs) But also, what if someone's political views are personal to them, are a big part of their personal life? Why can't they write about well, that? Well, this was this is something H said, borrowing the research from the Corona Diaries, said recently it was he had hit reached a point where he was in his 50s and he thought, I've got a platform, I need to start using it. Now, again, you could kind of go, okay, there is that, that choice of words, need versus want mm-hmm. or driven. You know, whether he felt, okay, I am a pop star, I want to be seen as a... Bono type, which is what a lot of people at the time were were perhaps sort of seeing it as. Mm. Um, however, I think as time has gone on, it's it's clear that there was a real shift in age 
as his life started to settle down, which it did around the time of somewhere else, that he actually was sort of more settled in his personal life. Mm. He had the space to kind of look at the world. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, exactly. isn't it? If yeah. you feel safe and secure on a physical level, you can start paying attention to your emotional life. If you feel safe and secure and peaceful on an emotional level, you can start focusing on your spiritual life maybe a bit more. And then as you go up, you can start focusing more on world issues because you feel more at peace with yourself. Mm. That's probably a really, really bad No, but that's effectively <laughs> explanation it. Of- I, think, I think as time's gone on, that that being able to look back is kind of able to go, well, that's what happened. He yeah, I'm at peace in myself. Yeah. Now I can look to my community and see what its needs are. He met Lynetta, which a lot of the songs on Somewhere Else are about. Yeah, there's also the holdover from the the breakdown of his marriage. You know, the title track is obviously about that. Mm. Thanks uh, for doing my job for me. Okay, you know what it's about, surely. <laughs> I don't. He I can sings everyone guess. I love is somewhere else. I know, but this is like what I have to try and guess what okay. he means. Well, we'll go into it a bit more deeply when we, we do the track by track breakdown. But But that's what was going on for him is he was happy, but he was also kind of like had this... It's, I don't see it as political. You know, people always go, oh, keep politics out of music. I don't see something like Make Poverty History as political. I see it as humanitarian. Mm. You know, what you're asking politicians, okay. But I mean, it's political the in the sense that you're aiming it at, at politicians, politicians. But there's the people with the power to enact it. Yes. And that's what was interesting about Make Poverty History is it wasn't asking anyone to put their hand in their pocket. It was a movement to ask governments to do that. Right. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, whether it was successful is, to, like, a, to a point, I think it was. Because it's like, surely people who have an audience have more leverage to get that energy behind what they're saying and what they're asking of politicians because they're already more visible, right? They're, yeah. they're in the public eye. Surely they are a good choice of person to bring a message forward to politicians. Mm. Uh, but then if they do, they get criticised. Yes. So well, it's like, it's, do, it's a catch-22, isn't I think, it? I think this is what sort of happened with H at the time, and it absolutely feeds into the discussion about why the album, perhaps at the time, got some backlash. Oh. Because I, I, I think it, it, we weren't used to H saying that sort of stuff. Even though, and this is... Oh, I see. So it kind of, it was out of character, not out of character for him, because maybe it was really part yeah. of his private character, but it was sort of out of out of character for his public persona. But I don't know if it is was. Is that what you mean? I think, I, no, well, yes, yes. But also I think, as we sort of say, hierarchy and needs, I don't think he really... But they had written of, songs about the environment... That's very true. You know, Season's End. He didn't do kind of, you know, in the way that perhaps Fish back in the day and probably still does, I don't know, I haven't seen him live for a long time, you know, would kind of go on about, you know, Northern Ireland, you know, in the intro to sort of Forgotten Sons or whatever. Stop smirking, Sanya. We know the song was inspired by his cousin having a shoe thrown at him or whatever it was. Um, (laughs) Stop smirking. I'm not. Smirking, no smirking. Yeah, Smizing. it was just out of the blue. And I think some people some people viewed it as H jumping on a bandwagon rather than something that was sincere. Which now, is always a risk. There's always that risk whenever you do something out of character. Yeah, whereas people Not like, out of character, people sorry. Like fish, people something like, that yeah. people aren't used to you doing. People like Bono or whatever always had that pedestal that they stood upon. 
right. you know, and you know, you got the sense. I mean, even with Bono, it's like, I, anyway, I'm not going to get into it. But the thing but, is, if they don't, who will? I agree with you. Music has always had the power to kind of you yeah. know, change. Yes. And there's always been. Us, the public can, surely yeah. we can, but it helps to have a spokesperson. I agree. And it helps to have a spokesperson that's in the public eye. I agree. Anyway, as I, as I was sort of saying earlier, is I think as time went on, I think it's become very clear that H really has belief in his convictions and strength in his convictions and really does feel very profoundly about these things. In fact, even on the latest Corona Diaries, they're taking in a couple of Ukrainian refugees. Wow. You know, which I admire massively. Yeah, wow. Maybe we can go and live with him and we have to sell the house because we've got no money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if anyone will take us in as refugees. We bloody do with it at the moment. Anyway, uh, (laughs) maybe we go and live with, I don't know, Pete and Fiona there, Sonia. But but that's, that's my point, is that that shows the strength of his beliefs. I don't believe someone that would do that is doing it just to make themselves feel better. I think it's mm. someone that sort of sees uh, a situation and wants to help, you mm. know. So sort of saying he felt he needed to, to you know, use his platform is one thing. But I think actually on another level, what he meant was I wanted to, I was driven to. Yeah. But at the time, it fed into that feeling around the album of, I don't know, that... After the highs of marbles, mm. there were just a few things that then came along in the subsequent two years right. that that disappointed people, I suppose. I'm not saying they disappointed me. But so, what, so H um, speaking up for the, yeah. you know, to help make poverty history disappointed people. Yes. Yeah. I remember the discussions on the forums. I remember. How can that disappoint people? Because people are like, oh, keep politics out of music. And oh, he's That's bad. not in music, he, he doesn't mean it. He's jumping on a bandwagon, blah, blah, blah. Those forums at that time, the Marillion Forum at that time was really freaking toxic. And it was around that time that I stopped going on there because of those oh, sort really? of discussions yeah wow. it was around this time uh you know and you know one of the topics as well was the press release um, oh i see <laughs> anyway uh but i mean another thing that i think disappointed people it shouldn't have done but it did was they released the dvd in 2006 called colors and sound which was a documentary now i think we were all really looking forward to a really documentary about the marbles to uh However, Marillion barely featured in it. It was a documentary about the road crew. Uh, That's still pretty interesting. Well, it's interesting to me. I, I want to watch that. Have we watched that one? No. No. I've got Have it down the shed. We did watch something about the road crew. Yeah. We did watch a documentary. Colours and Sound. Oh, I'd like to see yeah. that. I, yeah, but I think at the time we were all a little bit disappointed. I was a bit disappointed with Colours and Sound, I'll be honest. It wasn't something you'd watch more than once, put it that way. Oh. However, 2006 also was the start of Age Natural, which... Oh, yeah. nice. As we That's know, what, oh, wow. he started that because he needed to pay a tax bill. If anyone Maybe would like to come and see... Uh, yeah, we should start uh, Biampod Natural. Biampod Natural. <laughs> <laughs> oh, natural. I, I can't play any music, though. That's oh, fine. We'll just do a couple of live podcasts for people. <laughs> Imagine. Could you in imagine church. in a church with candles? We'd set fire to the place by accident. Yeah, we probably. Anyway, so H Natural started that year as well. So that was obviously has now become a big thing. Yes, uh, and that I, I think I was at that first H Natural show, possibly. 
or the UK first UK one. Anyway, I was, and it was brilliant. I, I, I loved the H natural shows. They worked for me in a way that perhaps Los Trios Murillos didn't, which that felt like it was kind of trying to have one foot in the sort of high energy of a rock show camp. Mm. Whereas H natural just doesn't do that. It's just about the atmosphere and, you know, connection with the audience, you know, that he can do cause it's so intimate. Mm. Yeah, I love H Natural shows. So throughout all this time, 2005 and 2006, they were recording with Mike Hunter. I can read you a quote from Pete. Please do. So they scrapped, or at least put on the shelf, Circular Ride and Say the Word, the two songs that were kind of perhaps earmarked for EP-ness. <laughs> <laughs> Shocked yourself. I did shock myself then. That doesn't happen often. <laughs> what were they earmarked for? Yeah, a penis. E penis. Um, <laughs> so as Pete describes the, the, the mindset behind the album, they started jamming in the studio, uh, which was the starting point for somewhere else. The title shows the mindset behind the album. We wanted to go completely somewhere else with the songs in the way we recorded and with the producer. So... Hence, hence the, the title. Dave Megan has gone on record as sort of saying he'd said everything he wanted to with Meridian after Marbles, uh, and obviously they knew Mike Hunter would, you know, work with them in various capacities as a engineer uh, over the years. So pretty much everything about this album is the other way around to Marbles, said Pete, which is very cool. Why are you smirking? So <laughs> the face on your T-shirt. Okay, ignore that. Don't laugh at that. It's so funny. Okay, no one's going to know what this I is. I know, I can't help it. I looked at it. Okay, it's a, it's a weird picture of David Schwimmer from Friends, and it says underneath it, friend. Okay. <laughs> and he's just, just, just noticed it, and he's laughing while I'm trying to read this quote out from Pete Ravis. So he says, one of the things Mike was keen to do was try to capture what we do live. In the morning, we would just start the machines rolling, and sometimes we would be working on arrangements for songs, and at other times it would be something new which we had discovered. If you listen to see, see It Like a Baby in the other half, there is an energy there which doesn't appear on the other albums. So one of the things they did with Somewhere Else was they had a lot of material and a lot of that ended up on Happiness is the Road or at least disc two of Happiness is the Road uh, because there was only a year between Somewhere Else and Happiness is the Road. Wow. I remember around this time, wow. given that this was the closest I ever got to being in a circle with Marillion. And I still don't, to this day, don't know how this happened. I think it was from our friend Simon and Vicky, who worked for the web back in those days. Uh, me and Pedantony were asked to go and help pack up some of the Christmas magazines and send them out uh, at Racket. But I remember seeing on the board, this is pre-somewhere else, this must have been like 2005, something like that, the plan for the next couple of years. And I was like, what the hell? Album one and then album two, like just a year apart. Oh, it was and your like, mind was yeah. blown. Was like, ah. So they had um, they had leftovers after somewhere else. Um, right. But they tried to choose songs that would fit together. As Pete said, two of my favourite songs from the writing sessions aren't on somewhere else. They're not just leftovers. We've got some very good, very strong songs. We just decided that we didn't want to do a double album. Now, add that to the list of why somewhere else felt like a disappointment after Marbles. 
I'll get onto it in well, a minute. Well, because you were, were expecting a double album. I'll get I'll get to it in a minute. Here's what I think happened, why the album didn't land with certain sections of the fan base. Is first of all, there was no pre order. So there was no pre order and no special edition. The reason for this why? is they had enough money. The Marillion Weekends... But people like pre-orders, it seems. Exactly. And that was... People were disappointed Mm. that they weren't going to get their name in the booklet. They weren't going to get a nice deluxe box. It just came in a standard CD case. Ah, okay. There was none of that buzz. Yes. That that built. That specialness that you get. Because you'd bought the album two years before or a year before Mm. or whatever. You knew you were going to... Uh, you know, maybe get a second disc with sort of extra stuff on and mm. your name was going to be in the booklet, all that. You feel more a part of the process of the creation of the and therefore part of the final result as well in some sort of way. It was one of the things, not only when Meridian kind of popularised crowdfunding, not only, you know, did it help them financially in terms of paying for the album, but they discovered a way of engaging the fans and we've done some crowdfunding things and people love to be part of it. They love kind of the updates. They love to feel that they've helped kind it, of bring this thing into existence. The, the the creation process and being part of the creation process is part of the fun. It's it part, is. You know, part of your investment is to, to be involved in that journey to the final product. And it's also an expression of faith. And an expression of love, really, mm. is, is ultimately support. what is that? It's yes. love and support for, you know, and, and at that time, post-Marvels, our love for the band was riding sky high. You know, they had rewarded our faith and we wanted to kind of express, I suppose, in a way, a thank you to them and sort of say, we'll do it again. Yeah. You know, yes, we'd done it with Anamatophobia and then Marble. So it, it felt like that was just the way it would be going forwards, which it was after somewhere else. But with hindsight, the band have acknowledged that that was a mistake. Do you remember your own personal feelings about not there not being a pre-order? I thought it was a shame. And it did feel less special when it arrived. Even you who... You you don't mind whether your name's in the booklet or not. I do like I do like the chunky booklet with the artwork and ah, I everything. See. That's nice. It feels more special when it arrives. It mm. feels like whoa, this is this is what's this? You know, yeah. Rather than just saying in a standard CD jewel case, as they're called. So there wasn't that. There um, there was no you're gone, which got to number seven. There wasn't even a physical single. They released see it like a baby as a download. It only got to number 45 because downloads weren't like that. Oh, my goodness. So we're entering modern times then. Yeah. Uh, If it was released only as a download. I think it did all right in like the download charts. But, of course, it didn't have an impact on the main charts because there'd been no physical release. They corrected that with thank you, whoever you are, but with with Circular Ride and Say the Word as as b-sides but by then it was sort of too little too late they'd missed the boat of that you know you're gone itself whipped the fans up into a frenzy mm-hmm. and also again got their name out there it was a it was a story in itself marillion are back with a top 10 single mm. whereas you know going to number 45 off the back of a download again you didn't have something physical that felt nice you didn't have the feeling of us versus the world, which Marillion fans, you know, are well used to. It mm-hmm. just sort of came out and disappeared. So that happened. Um, 
also no double. Marbles have felt very special because it was a double. Not only was it extremely high quality as a double, mm. but it was a double. So you felt like you were getting a lot of bang for your buck. Not every album can be a double album. And as we know now, with, with something like an hour before it's dark, you know, it, it's punchy and to the point and no one sort of says that album needs to be longer. Yes. But at that time, what we're dealing with here is a lot of the shadow cast by Marbles. Right. Yes, and and it casts a long shadow. And that includes the production of Marbles. Marbles sounded lush and layered and and expansive. Mm. Whereas Somewhere Else is a very different sounding album. And it was deliberately so. You know, as Pete said, the title was a deliberate choice. Somewhere Else. They wanted to go somewhere else with it. But it's a very dry album. There's no reverb. There's no, Mm. you know, it's 80s vocals right in your ear. They're, it's kind of flatter. They're very organic sound. sounds, sort of very woody sort of sounds, mm. but they're they're kind of quite. It, it, yeah, it it doesn't. Sound it doesn't have as much of that atmosphere that really that kind of the depth of atmosphere. Yes, and that's not knocking it. It's not knocking the songs. It's just saying, yeah, you can definitely hear a difference in the quality of the sound. Like to me, it sounded flatter. Yes, I so think everything it was, was an experiment. M- more closer to being on the same level rather than you. You're kind of like exploring different layers and depths mm. and textures and contrasts. I think that's everything for me. seemed to be sort of more closer together. Revisiting it, it hasn't got the layers that reveal themselves to me over time. Yeah, that's it. Which yeah. Marillion, it seems simpler in its sound. Yes, and Marillion are. Yeah, they're almost like a puzzle. A new Meridian album is almost like a puzzle that reveals itself over time. Yes. Whereas this album felt like it was it was trying to be very direct. And actually, here's I have been finding it a little bit challenging with my process going through the album, particularly in trying to have something to say about the music. And I think this is the reason. Because the music is so much simple. It seems, I don't want to like, you know, I hope that's not, offensive to say it seems so much simpler than let's say marbles for example that I've found it I found myself writing stuff down just because I have to not because I felt particularly moved by the music Mm. in any particular way because it is so much more simple for me as well kind of yeah, I guess as you say, drier, or as I say, flatter. And that's not saying I don't like it. I do like it. I like the simplicity. I enjoy listening to it. I just find it harder to... I don't feel it needs picking apart that much. No, I think this is something for me as well. It's kind of self-explanatory, so yeah. We're going to get into the individual songs starting next week. Um and the individual, the sound of each song, but something as well they seemed to kind of slightly regress to with this album was, which they hadn't done on Anorak or Marbles, is that they were wearing their influences on their sleeve here. There were a lot of Beatles-y moments. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, there's some shameless Radiohead moments. Which I didn't pick up on because I'm not that familiar with no, Radiohead. but they are shameless. Last Century for Man especially. And vocally, H in places is is clearly channelling Tom York from Radiohead. And then on top of that, then you've got No Such Thing, which is 
changed just enough not to be sued by Black Sabbath (laughs) (laughs) over the song Planet Caravan. Now, for me, when Meridian in their history have been at their weakest is when they've tried to sound like other people. Mm. Now, I'm a defender of Somewhere Else as an album yeah, No, as a whole. same here. I and just want to... I want to put pre- it... pre- Preface? 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 Yes. Preface? Preface? How do I say it? Uh, just, I say it both ways. Preface. Preface uh, this by saying I like Somewhere Else uh, quite a lot, actually. There's some songs on there that I think are brilliant. I think the songwriting is fantastic. I think there were some great lyrics on there. Uh, is it an album that's perfect? No. Is it an album on a par with Marbles? Certainly not. But then Marbles was an extraordinary album. Marbles was exceptional. Exceptional. Yeah. I want to put it out there as well, especially after what I've just said. I actually really like Somewhere Else. I really enjoy listening to it. And it's an album that I'd be happy to go back to and listen to any time. So this is... But what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to explore why it's got a bad reputation. Mm. But what I think... When Marillion, I think, are at their weakest, as I was saying was during that period, particularly Radiation, which is certainly a lot better since it's had the remix. The 2013 remix is great. Um, But when they're, instead of absorbing influences into what they do best, they're just kind of trying to sound like other people. I think we're really in a best when they they kind of filter through who they are and and that sound, that Meridian sound. Mm. This was as Which well. Which they've really hit their stride with now. So have they in the, ever. the recent few albums. Have they ever? Uh, and they kind of certainly get back to it, I think, a bit on Happiness is the Road, another album that I think has been overlooked in recent years that is better than, than its reputation. Now, a lot of the reviews that I read from the mainstream media and some of the, even the proggier sort of outlets I mean, were yeah. saying, uh, you know, there were lots of references to Radiohead and Coldplay. Even oh, kind of a positive play. review in Uncut, you know, a magazine that, that once wouldn't have kind of given Meridian a second glance, referred to it sounding like a post-rock whimper away from Radiohead and some sort of songs soar and chime like Coldplay. And I think I had a review, was it in another magazine that I remember them saying that they sound like kind of Coldplay's granddads? And I can hear it on something like Thank You, Whoever You Are. Coldplay were big at the time. Mm. And... Marillion, for me, don't need to necessarily do that. Mm. So I, th- but I think what then you got instead is you got songs that had that sort of directness of those of, of certainly a band like Coldplay instead of the complexity. Yeah, and I can understand why, like maybe Prog magazines would give it a three well, out of five. Were, there were no Prog not... magazines back then; they were just websites. Oh, websites! Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, because maybe the album isn't as proggy as some of their other albums mm. due to the music being a lot simpler. And I don't mean like, and again, like I don't want it to sound like I'm saying simpler in a bad way. It's just different. Like it's just, I guess when I think of what, well, what in my limited knowledge and experience, when I think of proggy music, I think of really kind of complex layers and mm. depths and stuff. And yeah, somewhere else seems to be a lot more direct, isn't it? It's more direct, yeah. So I guess prog websites would be like, well, it's not super proggy, so yeah, we're so, gonna give it three out of five. And then you had, but three out of five isn't bad. No, exactly. But there were a lot of three out of five type reviews. 
that yeah. that comes into my whole thing that it was you know I was half expecting kind of all the reviews to be like one out of five given mm-hmm. you know what we believe about his reputation but instead they're all kind of very mediocre reviews but what you've just said is also don't forget marbles you know we had you know the 20 minute long ocean cloud we had like yes, the 12 minute invisible long man. Neverland we had invisible man that's not you know it, it isn't it isn't about you know, length over quality um well, yeah. they were long it, it, and quality. Exactly, you know, but they were complex. And I think it Meridian was a complexity. Fans, we love a bit of complexity. Yes. And we love a song to take us on a journey. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We love a journey. I, I think I think that's a big part of it as well. Meridian fans do love their complexity. And something that I'll say, which I know uh, we talked about off mic and both of us agree with, we would both love to hear this album remixed. Absolutely. And... Because the foundation of it is amazing. The raw material is fantastic. So imagine it remixed with that uh, sonic complexity brought in and that well, texture brought in. Yeah, what in. we know Mike Hunter drama. can do. What we, Mike Hunter is so yes, good at. Yes, we want a bit more drama in that sound. Drama, that's it. Still leave the song, leave the lyrics. Oh, sorry, bumped the mic. Leave, I'm getting excited now. I know. Leave the lyrics exactly as they are. Leave the the base of the music as it is and just add that texture in add that level of production so it doesn't yes. sound as as brittle flat. and live and flat yeah yeah it didn't capture meridian life unfortunately you know bold experiment but it didn't it, it, you know it didn't capture that spirit that they have in a live setting mm-hmm. anyway so also what i think contributes to the album is i think it has a weird structure in terms of track listing Oh, I think really you've got, you know, it opens with some energy, then goes into thank you, whoever you are quite early. Then it goes into we'll get to most toys in a minute. Uh, Then we have a slow middle section Mm -hmm. and then it ends with the wound last century for man and faith. Now, the wound is fine. It's not very interesting. Last century for man is a dirge. I'm saying it. To you. To me. Not to me. To me. And then Faith, which is lovely. However, we'd all heard it, right? It had been a B-side, a live version had been a B-side from the Marbles era. It, it, you know, we'd heard it played live. I have to say, I do prefer the live version, which doesn't have the... the well, okay, the, Faith the is one of my on favourite songs. I know that. So, it's a beautiful song. And I hadn't song. heard it before. It's a beautiful song, especially if you love the Beatles. Uh, it's a beautiful song. However, I think it it felt, for me, oh, I've heard this. It didn't feel like I was getting something new at the end of the album to go out on, as beautiful oh. as it is. And on top of that, I really don't like Last Century for Man. The wound is fine. We listened to it yesterday in the car. Yeah, and, and it, I do it's like. It's okay. It's rocky. It's it's all right. But yeah, but, I don't but, love the wound, but it's all right for and me. I, but, and I do like Last Century of I'll Man. I'll get into why I don't like the wound next week, and why I don't like Last Century of Man next week. But anyway, so you've got that, and then and then you have also on this album the worst Marillion song of all time, which is, is most true. toys. Yeah, that is true, and unfortunately, that does affect the album's rating. Exactly. If someone gives you a lovely meal that unfortunately has some mould in it, you're not going to enjoy the rest of the meal. Okay, you can eat around it. You no, can eat around it. you don't it. want to eat around exactly. mould. And this, I think, is what happened. I think as much as anything, the reason that somewhere else gets a bad rap is because of most toys. It's a diabolical song. It's, it's, um, 
Yeah, I'm going to struggle to it's find Marillion's anything worst good song. to say about it's it. It's their yeah, worst I, song. Hand on heart, I also agree that I think it's Marillion's worst song. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a painful song to listen to. I really hope H never listens to this uh, podcast. Look, you've got to stop second guessing. Or any of the band members. Since the last... This one, this week's Corona Dies. You've been having meltdowns about H listening. We can't. No, I haven't. Yes, you did. Just about you did this yesterday. You got. Well, I wasn't having uh, meltdowns. I was just like, you know, I want to be able to say I don't like most toys. Say what you really think, because well, yeah, got... I don't like most toys. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into it again next week. Hooray, so then there wait. was all that. There was all that, and then there was the press release. Uh oh. So here's what happened. I was actually out at work. I was actually, back when I used to seemingly have a job, uh, I was actually doing some auditions for a, a sitcom pilot that, that I'd written. And I got either a call or a text from Anthony Pedantony saying, Lucy's asking after you on the forum. Uh, can anyone get me in touch with Paul Rose? I don't know what the hell, why? Why? You know, why what? Anyway, turns out she wanted me to write a press release. I think they'd had... I don't know, they'd felt that the Marbles press release hadn't worked. They wanted, they, you know, and I I was really confused. Why me? It was like, you know, at the time I was kind of an up-and-coming TV writer. Uh, but Lucy remembered me from when I wrote Meridian Reviews for Teletext, so saw me as a journalist. However, I saw myself as a comedy writer, <laughs> right? So I thought, oh, she's asking me. She probably wants me to be funny. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So I did as Lucy asked. I wrote a press release. A, a few versions went back and forth. She didn't at any point tell me to take out the funny stuff. And I mean, I made a fun. I did. I wrote a funny press release. It was had jokes in. It had, you know, it it was very tongue in cheek. Uh, but she never asked me to take any of that stuff out. There were a couple of other things that she asked me to take out. I remember one. It was more or less a direct quote, I think, from H, who went in an interview that I'd seen of him describing the album. And I more or less put some quotes in where he'd compared it to these other bands. Um, and I put that in. And she told me to say that out because she says, doesn't think it's helpful if, uh, you know, you do that in press releases, you know, comparing them to other people. Uh, anyway, and then the press release got sent out. Um, and all my jokes have been taken out. All my funny stuff have been taken out. Uh, oh, no. Leaving a very, you know, standard press release that certain fans felt was appalling, that the press release uh, sounded desperate. Um, oh, no. Now, in my defence, yeah, I was slightly copying an earlier press release that would probably put a few fans' noses out of joint, or at least music press. Mm. I don't know. If it, I think it was Anaraknophobia. I was kind of... That was the only other Meridian press release I think I had, because I had one from when I worked at Teletext. I think, you know, they'd sent me a copy of the album, so I had the, the press release. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of following that style of kind of saying, you know, Meridian aren't what you think they are. Right. Uh, and a lot of fans felt that it was sort of... On the forums felt it was overly defensive... Uh, but in my in my defence, I will say that if the jokes had stayed in, it would have helped that pill oh, okay. <laughs> pill be swallowed. But look, right. the the press release that I wrote is still on the website. So this is the one without the jokes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, partly, as I say, you know, from things Lucy had asked me to put in there. Partly from 
previous press releases, partly from what I knew about the album, but also... Had you listened to the album? I can't remember. Maybe I had. Maybe she sent me a copy. Yeah, maybe she she must have done. Always getting early copies, poor Rose. Not fair. Anyway, uh, so this is the press release without the jokes. (laughs) Oh, no. So, Marillion are one of the UK scene's best-kept secrets, purveyors of soulful, powerful and often deeply moving music whose blistering live shows leave their audiences breathless. When Fish, Marillion's original lead singer, left the band in 1988, after four albums, he was replaced by the charismatic Steve Hogarth, a former member of the Europeans and sometime collaborator with The The and Julian Cope. Hogarth brought new heart and energy to the band. Predictions of doom were swiftly dispelled as across a further nine albums, Hogarth, along with his existing members, blah, 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 they forged into new musical territories with a succession of inventive emotional albums, displaying little regard to the vagaries of the musical fashion police or the bandwagoneering of radio playlists. After the release of 1999's Meridian.com, the band banished the spectre of record company pressure once and for all by launching their own record label, the aptly named Intact Imprint, and freeing themselves up to produce some of their finest music of their career. Thanks to the pioneering embrace of the internet, Meridian had developed a unique and intimate relationship with their fans. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what's wrong with this? Yeah. Yeah, I can tell by your face. I'm reading it. I'm not even going to read the rest because it's actually, you know what? It's fine. Yeah. I can't <laughs> it's hear, absolutely I can't... fine. Uh, okay, I had the jokes taken out. Um, I know, but it doesn't... There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with that. You're right. I was expecting That's some... the first time I've read it. I was expecting something that. diabolical. Yes, yeah, so was I. Uh, maybe the original version was. No, that is what went out. and That is what certain fans picked up on as a terrible... Um, defensive press release. Now, that shows you what was happening on the forum. Yeah. You know, the forum was A hotbed of negativity. It was toxic. It was a hotbed of negativity. There was so much negativity on there. Um, And, you know, everything that the band was doing, every move was being criticised. And I think what happened was too many people within the Meridian organisation were keeping too close an eye on what was happening on the forum and taking it too closely as the voice of the fans. Where, rather than a small percentage, of a tiny fans. percentage yeah. of percentage. the fans. Yeah, you know, it, it's easily done. That, that's, of course, because that's what's most vocal. So that, I think, is what was going on. And what's happened since is that the band, certainly Mike Hunter and the band, have been very down on the album. You know, I remember um, there was a question at, I don't know if it was the 2007 weekend, but certainly one, I think it was the 2007 weekend, where the band were asked a question about um, the fans' favourite album or something. And uh, I think, or there was a poll or something. Anyway, it was a question about, and I remember Ian saying, well, it certainly isn't somewhere else, is it, you bastards? Um, That was his response to this question about the fans liking albums or something. Ah. So the band were aware, but it, I'm telling you, it was a vocal minority of toxic mm. people. I think a lot of us, I think that was the beginning of the end for the forum as well, because, you know, now as we were talking, when we were talking to Stephen Wicks from Mockillian the other week, as he said, the forum's a lovely place now because there's just a few people on there who are kind of friends. There's none of that toxicity. But back then, everyone was on there. Mm. And Lucy would often interact. I mean, she does now on Facebook. Lucy would often interact. I don't know about members of the band, if they ever did, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of them looked because I know she subsequently banned them <laughs> from going on there. But whatever, the the response from a gobby few 
it was everything the band did um, got criticised and consequently there was an air of negativity around somewhere else. Now, us analysing what went wrong, you know, relisting all those things, yes, I think all of those are valid, you know, the track listing, the production, the lack of uh, excitement over its release, all of that all fed into it. But more than that, it was just this handful on the forums that were given a platform to spout off and were unfortunately paid too much attention to. Mm-hmm. I think that is, in trying to get to the bottom of it, what happened. Right. So with that in mind, next week we'll get into the tracks. Yes. Finally. That's it for this week. Shout out to Ant Short and H. H, I know you're not listening, but Ant, if you are, uh, ask H if you'll come on our 100th episode, please. <laughs> I'll ask. I'll ask directly. Or I'll ask Lucy at some point. But, you know, it's coming up a few months away. Wow, what, yeah. what episode number is this? 87 or 88 oh or 89. Oh my goodness, what? Yeah, we have still got an interview Less coming up in a couple of weeks. I need to reply to that Oh yeah, that true, true. Anyway, yes, if you want to support us, www.patreon.com slash Biffo. You might have picked up that we're a bit broke at the moment, so if you can support us in any way, that would be great. Um, and you can do so for as little as one British pound per month. Um, you can subscribe to us, you can tell people about us. You can sing our praises on the comments section of other podcasts, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which we very much appreciate. We do. Uh, and that's it. We'll catch you next week. See you later. Bye, everyone. Bye.